0: Watch what we're doing.
1: My disembodied voice is just going to be interrupting you then.
0: Oh, but that messes up the the first part. Okay, the first part you're going to do, and then Tom's going to do the second one. Wait, stop the podcast.
1: Stop the podcast. Listen, do you smell something? No.
0: No. Okay, so you... Every one of you fell into that. You do the first one, and then Scott will do the second one. I said, listen, do you
2: smell something?
0: (laughs) <laughs> Is that like, look at the dead bird and everybody looks up?
2: <laughs> Pretty two. much.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay.
2: So give it a countdown. So she's doing one, I'm doing two and three.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Five, four, three, two, one.
3: Hi, this is Scott English. I'm the executive director of the American
1: Philatelic Society, and you're listening to Stamp Show here today.
3: Look at them, madam.
2: Have you ever in
1: your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps.
2: Oh, 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 oh. This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales.
3: Rufus, what are you thinking of? (laughs)
1: Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. Live from Studio M2 in the San Quentin facility for the Mentally Unstable, this is Stamp Show here today, episode number 133.
0: I'm Cash. A vegan told me that if I knew how meat was processed, I'd never eat it again. So I told him where fertilizer comes from.
3: (laughs) I'm Scott, just visiting Cash here in the insane asylum.
2: This is Tom
0: <laughs> I'm Sean
1: And I'm your stamp mistress Dawn
2: Who's actually here this time
1: Yay, Yay. Via phone Yeah, At least my disembodied voices uh,
3: This
2: is a, well, it's podcast. a podcast It's all disembodied voices
1: This is the voices inside <laughs> your head That's true <laughs> <laughs> Well on May 22nd Two miraculous things happened First, in the year uh, um, um, I was born, second, Linz put out a magazine with so much stuff in it that we have to dedicate a whole episode to it. So like a flaming moat filled with fireproof alligators, let's dive in. (laughs) Linz wrote about Canada making some great Star Trek stamps and the U.S. making the moon eclipse stamps. But we will be talking about the American Philatelic Society's Board of Directors has agreed on a final version of a letter that will be sent to Tay Peng Tan, President of the International Federation of Philately, to express, finger quotes, serious
0: concerns
1: about the operations and governance of the federation, which is commonly identified by the initials FIP.
0: Wow, a strongly worded letter with finger quotes. I bet they're quaking in their boots. Running for the hills. Running for the hills.
1: Dying at Mm -hmm. the hills. Ducking and covering. Established in 1926 and headquartered in Luxembourg, the FIP describes itself a network of national philatelic federations, such as the APS, with goals of promoting stamp collecting and philately, maintaining friendly relations and friendship among all peoples, establishing and maintaining close relations with the philatelic trade and postal administrations and promoting philatelic exhibitions by granting patronage and auspices. Its involvement in international exhibitions has drawn criticism in recent years, leading to calls for the formation of a new international league uh, for a revamping of the existing federation.
0: Yeah, the FIP has gone through a lot of criticism, and I think a lot of it has been well deserved. First of all, for people out there who are totally unfamiliar with this, the reason why this is important is the FIP basically is sort of, it has injected itself into exhibiting at the high levels. If you do, don't have an FIP judge or something like that, the high level exhibitions. Are let's say downgraded, you don't get, you know, court of honor status and stuff like that. It's they really have sort of monkeyed with the system. And who
2: has let them do this?
0: They they, uh well they're in Luxembourg. Well, they pretty
3: much voted it for
0: themselves and decided that they were
3: gonna be king of the hill.
0: Yeah. I remember when uh Carl was putting on Sescal and he always was talking about how it had to be near an airport so that he could get the FIP judges. And I said, well, how much are they? And, you know, a normal judge who flies out, they may pay, you know, half of their own expenses. You know, they get a stipend, they may get a couple hundred bucks or something. An FIP judge, I know of one that went to an international in Indonesia. The judge cost the show over $100,000, just for one FIP judge. These guys, yeah, they're expensive. And like Scott said, you know, they voted themselves into this sort of situation. And
1: I'm in the wrong business.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Uh, It's really comparable to what, you know, I put down here, FIFA. It's really comparable to how FIFA runs soccer. And uh, there's a lot more money in soccer, so there's a lot more corruption. but they, they take
3: bribes, they take oh. I mean it's, it's just ridiculous the amount of money that uh, and, and politics that goes on with these organizations yeah. With, yeah. you know the FIP and FIFA.
0: So anyway, the FIP has had a lot of problems in criticizing you know how they well, the last thing was uh, our good friend Scott Treppel at uh, Seagulls. He wrote a very strong letter criticizing them because they gave a higher award. They gave like the grand award to a collection from Uruguay. Well, you go by points. So if one exhibit has, and I forget what the exact numbers were, but these are pretty close to what they were. One exhibit had like 95 and a half points and the other one had 96 and a half points. It had one more point. Well, one point, it's like a football game. If you win by one point, you won. <laughs> you know, it's not like they say, oh, no, you're the Lions. You have to win by two points. No, you win by one point, you've won the game. Well, in this circumstance, they didn't win. And everybody goes, hold on, what the hell's going on here? So,
2: And what was going on?
0: Well, they, they gave the winning award to the person who didn't get the most points. And why did they do that? Uh, Because they can. (laughs) That makes no sense. So
2: why don't the people all just get together and say, we don't give a flip about the FIP and do the awards themselves and leave them out of it?
0: A lot of people have, or excuse me, a lot of exhibits have, a lot of exhibition shows have. However, the really, really big stuff, you have international judges and stuff like that, they're so, they've sort of so entrenched themselves into the award system, they've so ingrained themselves in who gets the big awards that you kind of can't kick them out without sort of unanimous people coming up and saying, yeah, you guys are out of here.
2: So we now know where Seth Blatter ended up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 That's a FIFA reference for those people Who uh, haven't been following the corruption in uh, soccer but anyway I this I thought was very interesting and so that's why I wanted to put it in here but there is a good thing they did Don why don't you tell them about that
1: okay let's say something nice about FIP (laughs) for many years the FIP didn't get involved in the fight against the abusive and illegal stamp issues that flooded and continue to flood the international philatelic market. This situation is about to change thanks to the determined actions of our friend, member of the Philatelic Webmasters Organization, the WPO. Anyways, they are starting the fight against fakes and forgeries commission of the Federation Oh God!
0: Now I have to do an accent. <laughs> do you hate me, Cass? I mean, it, it was yeah. I'll do a French accent. Yeah, it, it, it is a uh, Chazette tube. Junior Chazette Toubet. Oh my
1: God!
0: Federation Internacional de Felity. You sound like the narrator from Spongebob. I'm going to try and try to make it sound better. Oh, okay. Anyways, they are starting the fight against
1: fakes and forgeries commission of the Fédération Internationale de Filetés.
0: So that would be the F-A-F-A-C of the F-I-P. Aflac. Yeah. <laughs> this is the
1: first time in the last 15 years that an important stamp-related international organization like F-I-P announces countries that issue abusive stamps. The FIP will
3: refuse to accept these stamps in exhibition. So this is a commission uh, for the fight against fakes and forgeries. What has that got to do with Cinderella's and illegal issues? They're not fakes, and they're not forgeries. They're just not real stamps.
0: Well, I think that covers the F part of the fakes. But they're not fakes! Well... They are contending that they are because it, they call them abusive stamps. Yes, have you, have yes, you, they are.
3: You, that is uh, abusive be, because the collectors spend money on those instead of on real postage stamps. Correct. But they're not fakes or forgeries. Hmm. They are genuinely issued by somebody in somebody's name. Should we Not necessarily yeah. the country that they're representing, though.
0: Should we approve a strongly worded letter to... Uh, say fakes forgeries and abusive issues
3: i think we ought to approve a strongly worded finger gesture
0: (laughs) (laughs) well no finger gesture against them i think that this is actually a good thing well yes it's
3: good that they're forming a commission against to fight against fakes and forgeries that's a good thing
0: there are a lot of companies like stamper jaw whatever that is but they sell stamps for Burundi, Guinea, and a bunch of other countries that never touched the country. They are totally independent of the postal service. They're a marketing firm that is headquartered in, yeah, know, and yeah, and sometimes knows where.
3: sometimes they're authorized by the government and sometimes they're
0: not. Yeah, but being authorized by the government to sell wallpaper means you're selling wallpaper.
3: I understand that, yeah. and I don't. I'm not arguing that. These things should not be promoted in the philatelic hobby. But if somebody wants to collect them, how are you going to stop them?
0: No, I think people can collect anything. I mean, people collect labels and everything else. I have some great labels myself. I've
3: got a whole book full of uh, airmail labels, etiquette labels. I mean, they're not
0: stamps. People do or don't put them on letters sometimes. But the gist is that these stamps will not be allowed in exhibits. So if you do a thematic exhibit and you're doing it on, you know... Princess Diana? Princess Diana, yeah. A Princess Diana exhibit will be like one frame after this. (laughs) If that. that, You know... I want a
1: little clarification on that. Okay. Now, let's just say I want to do an exhibit. And I want to do an exhibit on dragons. And I have... I go to Zazzle. And I have a stamp that has me in a dragon costume. Is that not allowed?
0: (laughs) That would be, I think, under this, it would be allowed as an example of a Zazzle stamp, not as you in your dragon costume. I think what this is more like is, uh, okay, so Great Britain has the... uh, Exhibition stamp with King George slaying the dragon You know, the first issues of Japan have dragons China China Mm -hmm. And then Grenada comes out with a stamp For a movie coming out and shows a dragon on it Pete's dragon Yeah, it shows Pete's dragon (laughs) And they sell this Grenada stamp Out of their offices in Hoboken, New Jersey And you can't get them in Grenada
3: and that's, you can't get them canceled either. And you
0: can't get them canceled. <laughs> that would be a stamp that, under FIP rules, you couldn't put into that exhibit.
2: Oh, I get yeah. it now because all this whole time you were talking about abusive stamps. I thought you were talking about nasty gum because I licked some stamps before and they were really abusive. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh. well, that's a whole
3: different subject. <laughs> but it seems you've got it licked.
0: Oh. oh. That, no, actually, yeah, that, that sounds was like a, another podcast. No, that was a good one. I like that one.
3: Of course
1: you did. (laughs) Of course you did. That one, by the way. Yeah, I see that. remember.
0: Oh, by the way, we got
2: how some. to spell September <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: with only one T. Yes.
0: It's September, okay. It's
2: September. <laughs> yeah, he spelled it September. That's that's creative.
3: Well, I suppose if you're gonna dance to it,
2: it's like Wednesday. The first T is silent. So second up, we have the 10th anniversary of Forever stamps. Has it been that long already? Well, it yeah. hasn't
3: been forever. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. It
2: just seems that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A pretty significant stamp milestone passed last month with little notice. It was the 10th anniversary of the first United States Forever stamp. There was no event at U.S. Postal Service headquarters in Washington, D.C. to remember the April 12, 2007 official first day of the first non-denominated 41-cent Liberty Bell Forever stamps issued in Philadelphia. That was a friggin' mouthful.
1: Yeah, it was.
2: However, postal accounting officials say they celebrated the anniversary last summer. <laughs> On the ninth anniversary, they celebrated the 10th anniversary? <laughs> Well, it gets
1: co- better. <laughs> Way to well, go! Of course,
2: it's government Very accounting.
3: <laughs> You're talking about government accounting.
2: <laughs> when they devised a new formula for calculating how the stamps are used.
1: Woo! Celebrate that.
2: <laughs> what? Instead of peeling them off the back, instead of licking yeah how they're used, instead of licking them, now you just peel them off the backing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's that's a lot of calculations. No wonder they're losing money.
1: <laughs>
2: Before Forever Stamps, the USPS had a pretty stable way of figuring how US stamps were used. You, you sell stick em, them on an envelope.
3: <laughs> you sell them and you take the money and you count the money.
2: That formula assumed that most denominated stamps would be used within two years of their purchase. The ones that weren't used were considered breakage stamps tucked into albums by collectors and those lost or destroyed. So collectors are broken? Is that what they're saying?
3: Apparently. Mm -hmm.
2: I know a few that may be broken. But forever stamps were designed to have an unlimited useful life. This is why postal accountants... mm, Postal and accountant. It's like the two most boring jobs ever, right? (laughs) Long have Fred... Watch
1: where you step.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. You're a bookkeeper. You're not an accountant, right? Yeah,
1: but I do have to work
2: with them. That's not your fault. I don't hold that against you. Thank
1: you.
2: (laughs) This is why postal accountants long have have fretted over the number of stamps held by the public. Oh, no, we're hoarding.
3: (laughs) Well, it it, it just seems (laughs) wrong to me that they issue a forever stamp that they say is designed to have unlimited useful life, and then they take it off sale and destroy the stamps. I I, I don't get that. Well, if you've printed them and they're going to be good for an unlimited, useful lifetime, then why not just stop printing them and sell them all?
1: Save them for the Oh, wow. There's a thought. Isn't it? Logic. We can't have logic.
3: Oh, no. It doesn't agree with accounting.
1: Nope.
2: (laughs) Stamp collectors were a major part of the problem.
3: Oh, yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, those pesky stamp collectors.
2: But lots of stamps were lost or destroyed before they could ever be used. That adds up to what the post office calls stamps that are never going to be used.
3: Wow, what That's a, creative a creative name! Title.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, it, what? I mean, you guys—you guys use stamps that were issued 30 years ago on and use it for postage. 30?
0: We use them 75 years ago. <laughs>
2: Well, that's because they've never been... Hence the abusive gum. <laughs>
1: exactly.
3: Well, if it tastes bad, just like a rotten tomato, do you throw it out?
0: How do you know when yogurt goes bad? Is that the question?
2: <laughs> you open the fridge and it walks out?
1: <laughs> How do you know when blue cheese goes bad?
0: I don't know. <laughs> it's not a,
2: it's not a joke. It's already oh. moldy.
0: Well, that was the thing uh, <laughs> no. a person said, you know, you open a refrigerator and the food went bad and it's like, "No, something just started eating it before you did."
2: And on we go. In 2014, they had to make a $1.3 billion, yes, that was with a B, dollar revision, because more stamps were being lost, destroyed, or collected than they
3: had expected. So stamp collectors are the problem because they didn't account for that many stamps being collected?
0: No, no, no. I think that this is, you're looking at it the wrong way. They had $1.3 billion in too much income. Yes. Yeah, they made $1.3 billion. It's like if somebody wheeled up a truck in front of your house, dumped $1.3 billion on the lawn, drove off, and you said, Thank you very much. I've got a problem.
3: That that more than pays off my house. I do have a problem. Now I have to go buy a bigger house
1: <laughs> oh,
2: just God. to store all your money. <laughs> a correction in summer of 2016 required a 1.1 billion dollar change. Seriously, again, 2 years later. More stamps were being <laughs> more stamps. More stamps were being lost, destroyed or collected than originally estimated.
3: Wow. Again, collectors are the they problem. Didn't, they didn't
2: figure it out the first time in 2014. Yeah. Well, well they They figured out 0. $0.2 billion.
3: Well, you know, if you listen to Lynn's stamp collecting is a, di- a dying hobby.
0: Yeah. It's only $2.7 billion over the last four years, right? That's right. And so, that was
3: just their miscalculation. Cal- yeah, till- that doesn't mean that that's all that they figured that we were collecting. Well that's now,
0: just their miscalculation. Hold on hold on though. That's lost, destroyed, and collected. So maybe somebody bought a one point one billion dollar stamp and then lost it.
2: Uh and maybe someday you'll actually be funny, but
1: that's probably not likely either. <laughs> oh I just love these renegade you collectors who are just messing up the whole work. That's
3: fabulous. Absolutely.
1: We're so evil.
2: So these changes added to postal revenues, thus reducing the postal service's net losses. Oh, no. But they did not add any cash
3: to postal operations. Well, that's because they'd already collected the money. They just had to discover that, oh, wait a minute. We still have the money. <laughs>
2: billion and two years before that 1.3 billion. How can they say they're losing money when apparently they've got a lot of it?
0: (laughs) Well, they're still losing money because, you know, government forces the post office to do a lot of things that a normal business would not do. However, I do not see $2.3 billion of extra money as being what I would consider a problem. Oversta- it's a
1: promise, a first world problem.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's like, oh my God, I have to wait 15 minutes for my next TV show to come on. Darn one percenters. <laughs> Scott's phone's
2: dying. Uh oh. Okay. Just, well, it just beeped twice like it was running out of juice. Doo-doo,
0: doo-doo. Hold on, he's getting a charger here.
2: Stop the podcast! Stop, Stop the, the podcast. podcast!
1: Stop the podcast! Stop.
2: Retie the string to the tin cans. <laughs> well that would that would how how far is Henderson away from where you are right now? Doo doo do, doo <laughs> do, doo doo. Doo do, Oh yeah. You know, do,
0: there's gonna be September. September do, 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 do,
2: do. is going to be in the background of this. September? Yeah. September, yes. Do you September? <laughs> <laughs> I just I just don't get how in three years time, $2.4 billion they considered lost, destroyed, or collected, and that's a bad problem.
3: Well, I'll tell you, if $2.4 billion showed up in my bank account and sat there for four years, I might have noticed.
0: Well... Nobody knows how much of it is really lost or destroyed. As
3: long as the IRS
2: did, you're yeah. fine.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, but I might have noticed. Nobody knows how much of it is lost, destroyed, or collected. But if it's one-third each, which it can't possibly be. It cannot possibly be one-third
3: each. I'm thinking about 90% of it's collected.
0: Yeah. yeah. People who say stamp collecting is dying, the post office is kinda disagreeing with you here.
3: And it's not the people. Yeah. It's the books. It's the accountants.
2: Well, well Captain Ebay here, you can know that stamp collecting's not dying. Oh,
0: well. Yeah.
1: Somebody needs to pick is. a story and stick with it. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
3: So that makes the question, what about these modern postal carnivores? How much are they eating into what the post office is ha- uh, receiving?
2: I don't know if they got two point four billion dollars in the last two years extra. I'd say maybe it's not such a big deal. <laughs> Clearly,
3: well, there you have it, boys and girls,
0: me laddies.
2: and lassies. All right, did we beat the post office up enough yet? Yay! Sure. Oh no, we gotta we gotta con- congratulate the post office. Not beat them up over this this week. Sharks. Oh yeah, that's Ooh, a nice sheet. Yeah. So. Now I have a question. Honest question. Did the post office actually plan this accordingly, or was uh, it a complete blunder that they're issuing this during Discovery Shark Week?
3: Oh, I'm sure it was completely unplanned.
0: Knowing the post office, they probably said we're going to issue it in the summertime, but they're kind of prohibited from operating with you know normal for-profit TV stations. But I mean, they had to know that Shark Week was coming up and they had to say, this has got to be a kicker for us.
2: I just. I mentioned it to my wife and she's like, that's funny. That's during Shark Week.
3: Oh, yeah. No. Well, officially, it's a coincidence. Unofficially, somebody had to know what they were doing. Of oh, course. No, there's,
0: there's smart people at the uh, the post office.
3: Yeah. Yeah. The ones that are smart enough to get more in pensions than they get when they're actually working. I want one of those jobs. Me
0: two. Me three. Me four.
2: Speaking of three, third, a letter from David Coles about Regency Superior stamp auctions.
0: Yeah, I included this one just because I wanted to put our 2 Cents in. I'm kind of surprised that Lynn's even actually ran this, and the next two issues had plenty of letters to the editor addressing this, but I wanted to put our 2 Cents in on this.
3: More like your two cents?
0: Uh, listen YouTube. to the letter, and then you'll see. <laughs> well, I read it.
2: David writes, In the past six months, my life has been completely turned upside down. I have been diagnosed with a rare and aggressive form of cancer, which entails extensive chemotherapy. Well, this isn't off to a very auspicious start.
3: Well, um, I have to say to David Coles
2: right off the bat, man, I'm sorry. That's terrible.
3: Yes. And uh, last time I saw him, he was definitely showing the effects of the chemotherapy and uh, wishes for for his health to get better.
2: We thought this would be manageable, but my chemotherapy treatment has slowed me down considerably and I am not able to spend the necessary time to run the Regency Superior Auction House. With the stamp market in the doldrums coupled with my poor health, we will not be holding any more auctions. To this end, we just recently closed the shop in St. Louis. We have been trying to sell Regency Superior for more than a year now through a professional mergers and acquisitions M&A firm, and there were no takers. Virtually everyone the M&A firm contacted said in unison, we are not interested in stamps. It is a dying hobby. See previous story.
3: <laughs> $2.4 billion sorry, dollars worth of yeah. the stamp sorry, market sorry. is in
2: the doldrums. Sorry, I should, I, should, I should quote that that was my insert. That's not actually part of the letter. When I first joined the American Philatelic Society back in 1992, there were 55,000 members. Membership is now down to 30,000 or so.
0: Hello,
3: millennials don't join
0: clubs.
2: (laughs) Meanwhile, the bank has called in the company's line of credit and has taken control of the company's bank accounts. Because we are not able to pay anyone directly without prior bank approval, it is impossible for us to stay in business. So we are closing. The company's telephones have been turned off but the company will be reachable via email until the loose ends are dealt with almost 25 years ago i began my dream of building an international auction house regency superior has held some 125 auctions at many different shows selling almost 150 million dollars worth of material with a full service stamp shop located in st louis we provided a beautiful location where philatelists could buy and sell stamps and supplies and just hang out all day long. We were one of the last stamp shops in the United States and I dare say one of the nicest. In 1993 my wife Penny and I along with a great group of St. Louis philatelists created the St. Louis Stamp Expo, one of the best APS World Series of philately shows in the country. I had to resign earlier this year as executive director of the show. Fortunately, the St. Louis Stamp Expo Committee, with Michael Peter at the helm, stepped up to the plate and ran a very successful show earlier this year. The show went off flawlessly. It is with great sadness that I must retire from this industry that has brought me such joy over the years. Playing stamp dealer while becoming the official auctioneer for several major stamp shows, traveling to appraise collections, attending club meetings, getting youth involved in philately, working with the U.S. Postal Service, and so on. But really, it's been the people I've enjoyed most. Everyone had something to share. I've made such wonderful friends in this hobby, many I consider family. We tried our best to bring stamp collecting to the public. It was a good run these past 25 years, but I am sad to say it is over now. And that is the end of the letter.
0: Yeah, it's over, and what basically is going on is he's saying that the uh, stamp business is dead and in the doldrums and everything like that uh i really feel sorry for you that you have cancer i mean i truly do but your company owes millions of dollars to stamp collectors and they're not getting anything you continued to not pay people for long periods of time and now there are lots and lots of collectors who are saying hey you know where's my money and you're telling them, Well, go see the bankruptcy judge, they're not going to get anything. And you, it's a you, shame. You took
3: my collection. Yeah. And
0: now you, I'm getting nothing for it? You took my collection, you sold it, you got the money in your hand, and then you didn't give me that money which was mine. That is a major problem here. I can I you know, if you had cancer and the business dropped because of it. I'd say, hey, you know, I'm sorry, this is really bad. But you come out here and say, the stamp the, the stamp community is dying, stamp collecting is dying, which, what, when was the first time that was written? 1920s? How
3: about 1860s, 18, 1870s. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, so, so yeah, it's, it's very, very bad for you, but I know you, I've seen your auctions, I've been, you know, there was a person who uh, posted in Lynn said, you know, he went to the Regency auction, and he went to the Harmer Shau auction. They were right next to each other. The Regency auction had three people in it, and 90% of the stuff didn't sell. The Harmer Shau auction, there were 45 people in it, and everything sold. You can't blame this on the stamp market. And, you know, your letter, like I said, you know, I feel very sorry for you, but your letter blames Failings of your business on the stamp market, and that's not right.
1: To send up. To send up. Thank you for joining us. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Dawn. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show here today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of the stamps make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper at gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com, podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about reeper's regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today.
2: WC Stamps offers premium US classic and rare stamps on eBay. They make sure that 90% of their inventory is always the lowest price listed. They also accept the best offers. Just search WC Stamps all one word on eBay. Thank you for your support of the show. Hi, this is Bob Prager with Gary Poser Incorporated, and we're in Long Island, New York, in New Jersey, and our philosophy at Gary Poser Incorporated is this. We would rather pay very fair prices on 9 out of 10 collections that we look at versus trying to just offer very low prices on 1 out of 2 and making a big score. That's never our philosophy. So if you want to be treated fairly, please give us a call anytime at 800-323-4279. And again, my name is Bob Prager.